All right, I'm really glad, really glad that Facebook has finally taken it upon themselves to purge all dangerous individuals from their platforms. I mean, it's about time, right? I mean, that's surely why this guy, this guy who recently offered to slit my throat. Yeah, just so, oh, and my family's too. Slit me and my family's throat. Really glad that he got banned. Oh, wait, no, he didn't. He still has his account. Apparently not dangerous, according to Facebook. Well, what about this guy? This guy who asks, why are you still alive? How dare you have the right to live? Keep security around 24-7. We are going to eliminate you, he says. Oh, not dangerous, because this guy still has his account. Weird, because I reported it to Facebook, and they didn't seem to have a problem with it. Conservatives get thousands of comments like these a day, literal death threats. And that doesn't include the people comparing conservatives to cockroaches and calling them subhuman. I mean, Facebook, are you going to do something about the liberals who call me the N-word? No, because big tech is only interested in going after conservatives. You know, the really dangerous ones, conservatives who make jokes they don't like and conservatives who post things that the liberal people in Silicon Valley disagree with. This is without doubt one of the biggest problem our country faces right now. And I'm tired of the but my free markets argument. This has nothing to do with the free market anymore. Sorry, but this is not a free market issue. This is about free speech and the Bill of Rights. So Facebook announced that along with Instagram, which they own, they are banning Alex Jones, Paul Joseph Watson, Laura Loomer, Milo Yiannopoulos, and then Louis Farrakhan, Calypso Louis. I mean, probably Louis because they were like, guys, we can't just do conservatives. It's too obvious. Oh, well, you know, there is a, there, there's that one guy, uh, he called Jews termites, the guy who worships Hitler. Hitler was a great man. Remember Louis? Oh, well, we can get rid of him if we have to get rid of a liberal. Quote, We've always banned individuals or organizations that promote or engage in violence, and it's just a joke. They say regardless of ideology. That's according to a spokesperson at Facebook. The process for evaluating potential violators is extensive, and it is what led us to our decision to remove these accounts today. What a load of garbage. Extensive. I, I bet it was some soy boy at a desk being like, I don't like this. This offends me. I mean, that's, that's the extensive process. After all, they can't tolerate all the terrible things that PJ Dubbs said about them in the videos. We gotta ban him. Consider this. In 1992, soy food sales in the US stood at 300 million a year. They now stand at over $4 billion a year. This has coincided with a substantial drop in men's testosterone levels in the US since the 80s. We're losing an entire generation of young men to soy. No, he said we lost our testosterone. We can't permit it. Now, my video will probably get ripped down from Facebook, so enjoy it while you can, because believe it or not, you're not even allowed to talk about people that they have banned. And I quote, Facebook said that all representations of these people would be removed from its sites, which include Instagram. Facebook said that when it has banned people under these policies in the past, it has also prohibited other users from praising or supporting the banned individuals on its sites, even if the praise is unrelated to the hateful or violent so-called conduct. I mean, this is terrifying censorship. And I actually considered whether or not I should talk about these people, given that this video will be taken down, but of course I should. There are some things, occasionally, that I want to say, I don't say it because it crosses Facebook's line, I don't want the video to get taken down, but at a certain point you gotta say, screw your rules, your rules go against our values, and they are patently un-American. 
They literally make it so you can't say anything positive about the people they have deemed as hateful figures. And of course, they define hateful figures as people they don't agree with. Gavin McInnes, hateful figure, they say, despite having no proof of this. They've deemed Gavin a hateful figure because he's a right winger. And if you say anything positive about Gavin, you get banned. Quote, Facebook cited as reasons for banning their accounts, Alex Jones appearing with <gasps> Gavin McInnes, whom they have deemed a hate figure. See how it works, guys? Gavin's a hate figure. You say anything nice about Gavin, you get banned too. Milo praised Gavin McInnes and Tommy Robinson. Oh, no, you can't do that. Can't do that or you might get banned. Laura Loomer appeared with Gavin McInnes, not again in December, and then Faith Goldie. God forbid anyone appear with a <gasps> nationalist. Interestingly, left-wingers who speak positively of hateful figures and actual terrorists and actual murderers, well, they still get to keep their account. Linda Sarsour, isn't she beautiful? She has a blue check mark and 217,000 followers on Facebook. Sarsour was in the audience at Louis Farrakhan's speeches. Oh, this is so great. But more than that, Sarsour is friends with a terrorist. She's friends with Rasmia Yusuf Ode, a convicted terrorist and murderer because she participated in the murder of two Jewish students. And she was charged and convicted to prison for life. The only reason she got out was because of a prison swap, and she got out in 1979, I believe. Sarsour speaks positively of this Rasmia chick. So why is Sarsour allowed to keep her Facebook? They have jihadist and terrorists on Facebook who still get to keep their account. Or let's talk about, huh, Representative John Rogers. He gets to keep his Facebook account when he says you should kill children who are, quote, retarded. Is that not hateful? Calling children retarded and saying you need to kill them? That sounds hateful to me. But of course it's not because he is a liberal. And so his speech is deemed acceptable. And then we've got on our side, these normie losers out there saying, well, you know, the great thing about America is that it is their right to ban whomever they want because they are a private company. Really, is it? I mean, are you, are you really gonna sit there and defend corporations to uh, their right to silence conservatives because you wanna cozy up to the left and appear more mainstream? Guess what? You're not gonna be spared. They're coming for you after. It's just gonna be a little bit later. They're not gonna spare you. So I hope you sleep well knowing you helped silence your own voice, dummies. Let me put it this way. If Google and Apple were to say, well, we are banning after much consideration all conservatives from our platforms. After all, we are private companies. Well, that would effectively make it so that conservatives could not be heard on the internet. Think about it. If Safari, if Chrome, where you go to access the internet, who makes your iPhone or your Droid device that you access the internet on, if they were to say, we're not going to allow access to conservative sites, would you really stand up and say, well, a private company has the right to do whatever they want to do? If Verizon, Comcast, AT&T, wherever you get your cable news, if they were to say, we're not going to allow conservative opinions to appear on our airwaves anymore, they'd effectively snuff out conservatives. And believe me, they are trying. Because these corporations are controlled by a liberal few. Few people who despise anything that is unfashionable in the liberal coastal enclaves that they reside in. If they control the speech, which they do, then they have an obligation to uphold the Constitution and the Bill of Rights and the amendment that protects speech. Which is, guess what? The very first one. I mean, it's called civil liberties. Look it up, idiot. Facebook, Twitter. Google, all of these companies, they are virtually becoming public utilities. 
right? They are becoming the public square and they control how we interact with each other. And if you think that you are going to throw up your hands and say, well, they're private companies, you are absolutely insane and you are part of the problem to all of this madness. Derek Hunter is the author of Outrage, Inc., How the Liberal Mob Ruined Science, Journalism, and Hollywood. And Derek joins us now. Derek, how are you doing? Thanks for coming. I'm doing well. Thank you for having me. So I wanted to have you on to talk about the bar hearing. We'll get to that in a second. <laughs> but when that was before Facebook and Instagram went full 1984. Yes. Your book talks about journalism, pop culture, and academia, and how the gatekeepers are basically all liberal. But what about when they are controlling the frickin' internet? <laughs> well, the original title that I suggested was, at the end, it said, and everything else. They ruined science journalists, Hollywood, and everything else, but they thought it was too long because it's true. They do ruin everything they touch. They have the reverse Midas touch. <laughs> I, when I look at the uh, situation with Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and everything banning people, I get it. It's their platform. They can do what they want. It's The problem is that so many people get their information through those portals that they all throw their hands up and say, we're just a, we're just a, provide, we're just a kiosk. We're just a, a portal through which information flows. We're the funnel. Then they decide what goes through that funnel, and suddenly they become a publisher. I don't want the government regulating the Internet and regulating content on the Internet. It shouldn't be. We can do that quite nicely on ourselves. Once Facebook decides that this is acceptable and this is unacceptable, then they become the arbiters of what is acceptable. They become responsible for what is published on their website. I'm not sure they recognize the can of worms that they're opening. Their lawyers probably do, and I bet there <laughs> yeah. are a few phone calls that took place before this decision was announced and even afterwards. But now if you are defamed on Facebook and it, it damages your career, especially if it damages your career, uh, and, you know, the liberal army of flying monkeys live to damage people's careers, you then could have actionable cause against Facebook because they have decided that content that is libelous to you is acceptable. Right. And I'm not, I'm not sure they want to do that. I'm not but sure you, they want to do that either. But for some reason, they feel compelled to be involved. What's funny about Facebook and, and Twitter and all, they take these measures that if somebody starts coming at me and yelling at me and calling me names and whatever, I have the option to block them. I have the option to mute them, which doesn't give them the satisfaction of knowing yeah. that I blocked them or unfollowing them if I happen to follow them. Twitter has decided that's not enough, that it exists out there in the ether, might somehow make it into your consciousness. Therefore, we must protect your consciousness from even the possibility of seeing something negative, which is insane. And now they're messing with what you see. Again, they're going from the kiosk where the dude goes up and staples his band's flyer to it. Right, in the public square. Right, right. That anybody can put anything on and you can decide what you want to rip the phone number off of to deciding what goes on the kiosk. And that is a totally different legal standard standpoint. I like it better than government regulation because government never, you know, in for a penny, in for a pound. They never come in and just and make things they, better. They do the right thing. And then they never go, you know what, that's enough. We're, right. we're good here. We'll but, stop. but let me ask you this, because what, what, what do you think would happen if Facebook, Twitter, all of the platforms were just were to just say, we're going to let ev we're going to get rid of our entire department that is there monitoring people's <laughs> speeches. We're just going to get rid of that department and let people say what they want. If someone gets a death threat, we have legal measures for that. Right. You can call the police. Uh, and then just let hands off. I mean, do you think that that do you think that people would be committing suicide and things would go nuts? Or do you think it would be exactly the same? And nothing would you happen. You mean it would be like when they first launched? Exactly. They realized that they <laughs> exactly. Could be the gatekeepers before they got their little windbreaker jacket that said security on the back, and suddenly with their clipboard think that they're ten feet tall and bulletproof and know what's best for everybody else. No, that would be nice. That would be what it is. And they give you the tools. There's a mute button. There's, there's a, a mute button. button. There's a block button, and then you have legal. You can do measures. what I do. 
which is rarely check your mentions. And I do it out of arrogance. I don't care what other people think. I just like to throw <laughs> Molotov and walk away and wash my hands of it. Like I'm a dealer in blackjack. I'm done and I, I walk away. But you can decide for yourselves. We are adults, theoretically. Sadly, we've infantilized people to the age of 26 where they can stay on their parents' health insurance to their 30s where before their parents say it's time to get off the couch, Junior. So now we're going to take it all the way to the grave with this guy. Right, right. Don't worry. We'll make sure that you never hear an unpleasant thought or see anything that anybody ever says negative of you. Meanwhile, some people need to be told that they're out of line. There's a, a really important space that is now a vacuum in the public square, and that is judging and shaming. We used to do that. The guy who has the El Camino. And even on, profiling. I mean, yeah, uh, that's, it's human. El Camino on blocks in their front yard with yeah. the, the weeds growing through it. Suddenly, he's not getting invites to the neighborhood barbecue or anything, and he thinks, oh, maybe there's something wrong with them. And then he goes, maybe it's me. Maybe it's this problem. Maybe I should mow my lawn. That's part of shaming, excluding people, and then welcoming them back when they do the right thing without having to outlaw it, without having to ban them, without having to block them. And the problem is that these companies are the ones making those judgments. Yes. Facebook is the one saying, well, we, you know, we don't like your opinion, and, and we're going to be the arbiters and judge you. what people need and want. Better like than the overlords. living in San Francisco. <laughs> <laughs> right. Nobody. Because that city's run so well That's and everyone right. there is so happy and the prices are so low. Yeah, uh, if, they got, if they did close down those departments, though, the homeless and feces problem in the streets of San Francisco <laughs> would get appreciably worse. But I'm not sure you could tell at this point. No, and I, I mean, I'm with you on I'm usually inclined to be against government intervention. However, what if government were to just say, well, if you are not a publisher, uh, we're going to treat you like the public square and you have to let everyone talk? Would that work? It would work. They would. It's kind of what they've said so far. Like you are the public square. We're going to keep our hands off. You got Zuckerberg out there saying we need some kind of government regulation, which is insane. He he uh, he doesn't. He didn't take very many government classes in the year or two that he spent. <laughs> he got he dropped uh, out before that. And if he did, he took them at Harvard. So you know you're going to get that sort of spin. But they don't seem to realize that once the government is your partner, it's like the mafia. The government is your partner forever, the mafia. Yeah. If your business is, if it snows and you don't have the two grand the Don wants, <laughs> you've got to come up with that two grand. He doesn't care that you only made a thousand that week. You, he's got to get his taste. He's got to wet his beak. <laughs> the government is the same way. They don't care what your story is. They don't care what your problems are. They don't care what your, that your circumstances have changed. This is the way it has to be on our end. And if it isn't that way, then we're coming after you. And let me ask one more thing on this and then we'll move on to bar. Where do you see it going? Do you see more people being banned? Do you see more people being silenced or do you see it taking a correction? Once you start banning, you never stop. Right. Banning. It's like you addiction. Never voluntarily yeah. stop banning. And look, nobody wants to be the guy who comes in and says, you know what, Louis Farrakhan. It sh he should not be silent. Nobody wants to <laughs> right, but you have to. Alex Louis Jones Farrakhan, yeah. And say, you know what, this 9-11 truther should have his plan. They're, they picked the least popular targets, the best targets possible to start this, but it never ends there because they redefine what is unacceptable, lower that bar, and it becomes a limbo contest of stupid where suddenly they will get to something that you want. Right. Event, it, there's no doubt the only speech that needs protecting is unpopular speech. Because once they get rid of that, then they will come after something that you do care about. So right. and you, know, you already see it getting close. It was the fringe to begin with. Right. And then you start to seeing, OK, well, that person, you know, I read some of their stuff. I mean, Raheem Kassam is, uh, you know, routinely banned on Facebook. And you're starting to see people who, you know, they're not uh, necessarily the crazies. And the difference between being offensive and dangerous Kelly. and being a provocateur yeah. or unpopular and. You don't want to defend Louis Farrakhan, but you have to because they will get to you. Event, it's a slippery slope. So 
look, I'm not crying over <laughs> this, and my instincts are to say, well, it's not me. I, I wouldn't follow right, them not, anyway, right, right. but I'm not going to. I'm not willing to make that judgment for other people. I don't want government making that. Ju- if government did this, there would be outrage. The arbiters of the internet content where 90 percent of the people get some, at least some of their news doing that should be just as disturbing yeah and yeah and for instance if google and apple were to say we're not going to allow any of this of this uh content on our devices or we're not going to allow any of this then you're basically banning conservatives from the internet i mean that is essentially and they're private companies though you know so right and they, they'll still say we need net neutrality which just allows the traffic exactly. through there but they don't have a problem with with blocking content because it's it's done in the name of tolerance intolerance <laughs> is is done always in the name of tolerance no and that's when it gets scary all right this bar hearing so I was inclined not to talk about it because <laughs> I've been watching it. I watched the hearing. Nothing is new. No. We've known about everything from the from I the very beginning. That Democrats are on one side and Republicans oh, that, are on and the other. And that's just fascinating because until two days ago, we had no idea. It's a good thing I was sitting down during the hearing because I would have fallen right <laughs> over. No. So and 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 the incredible thing is that it's just Democrats posturing. Every I think <laughs> eight Democrats have talked about this, and the presidential eight presidential candidates have talked about it. Yeah. And condemned it. What, what what is the crime here? They keep on saying there's a crime. We have the Mueller report in its entirety. We can read for ourselves what's in it. What is this crime they're talking about? I would like to see a basic ten question test administered to the to every member of the Senate, everybody on that committee before they can question Barr. They have to answer basic, obvious questions about the Mueller report, which has been available for a month. Yes. Basic questions, not in the weed stuff, not which quote is accurate. And if they can't do that, then they don't get to question anything because I've worked on Capitol Hill. I guarantee you they did not read this. You think they've no one has read it? They read an executive summary. Some of them may have read it, but the vast majority. Mike Lee, I imagine he doesn't do much besides sit there and read in pajamas. (laughs) But uh, I I think that most of them have not. I guarantee you Kamala Harris, Amy Klobuchar, Richard Blumenthal has not read it. Has not read the he didn't report. even bother to ask about it. The the un, remember the first story was we need the whole report unredacted. We must have this. How can we possibly go forward? And the Justice Department put that unredacted report in a private room where any member of Congress can go see it. In the first week that it was available, two went to to read it. The unredacted is only ten percent. I'm assuming they're the Democratic presidential candidates. Both were Republicans. <laughs> Both were Republicans. So the outrage over the contents of the Mueller report in its entirety is being expressed by people who haven't bothered to read it. Their staffs can't go. They can. They haven't. They won't. It was about messaging. It was never about the content of the report. So when they talk about all of this, pre- President Trump is treasonous. He's a Russian agent. And then they say how bad that is for the country. Is what they're doing good for the country? (laughs) No. There's nobody who comes out of this looking good. Everybody just kind of looks foolish or downright corrupt. They started off trying to say Donald Trump is corrupt. He's in the pocket of Vladimir Putin. The more we find out about this, it's... The opposite is true, that the Clinton campaign actually worked with Russians. They got a story now that a DNC official was reaching out to the Ukrainian government in 2016 trying to get information. There's no And no one's paying attention to that. Nobody cares about that. And then how dare they call it spying? The pearls were clutched across the country. Oh, my goodness. Can you believe that Bill Barr said spying? This is an outrage. He needs to take this back. Remember the parade, the conga line for the microphones. He has to take that back. Now we have the New York Times story saying, well, they planted an asset in there. They sent a honeypot there. 
to meet with Papadopoulos, so on and so forth. And they're still saying, well, that's not spying. That's just gathering information without the subject's knowledge while we're, we're tapping their phones and reading their electronic communications. We, <laughs> if a honeypot is sent in as an undercover agent to gather intel, who didn't As work opposition. for the FBI, right. but they won't say which uh, agency they did contract with. But, so is there a word to define what that is if it is not spying? It's uh, electronic surveillance without <laughs> the knowledge of the subject. And Obviously. I think, don't you listen uh, yeah, to James uh, Comey? Right. And, <laughs> and, and I think I think Barr said it, but I mean, spying kind of encompasses all of that. It really does. And you uh, know what? If, if you were not in the room and I looked over at your notes, I'd be spying at your notes. Right. And nobody would have a problem with the use of that word in that context, even though it's not top secret. I'm not taking notes. I'm just, oh, what's he got over there? But you, you s- listen to somebody's phone calls. You read their emails. You send people in to pretend to to be somebody else. You send intelligence agency assets in there. I mean, it's a Bond movie. It's the most boring Bond movie. <laughs> right, but, it's like GoldenEye, or not GoldenEye. GoldenEye was good, but the world is not enough. And, <laughs> right. and suddenly it's not spying. You can't call it spying. How dare you call that spying? It's just our spy agencies doing a covert action without anybody's knowledge. I, we need to throw out every dictionary in the country because they've all they're been useless. wrong. They're useless. It's, I mean, it's all political. And my question, last question to you is, do we play politics in return? Because that's the only game that these people know? Or do we say, you know, this is actually just nonsense, all of it? Well, it is nonsense, and you have to call it out for that. Most of the time, sunlight is the best disinfectant. So you just let people see that, you know, you got Chuck Todd saying, I can't believe that Bill Barr said that this is spying. This is, and yeah. then to explain what it is, and it, the spin happens on its own. But what Bill Barr is doing looking into how this came about and what the justification was, because they had a year and a half of looking into and spying and being involved with in clandestine ways the Trump campaign, yet after all of that and finding no evidence of any Russian involvement, said, well, now we need the Mueller investigation. How does right. that, and how does that we, originate? Ha, we found nothing while being infil- while infiltrating this organization and listening to them without their knowledge. But what we really need to do is look at the same stuff again retroactively with subpoena power. doesn't make any sense. The, uh, the inspector general's report, which is due out either this month or next, I suspect that it's not really due, is going to shed some light on all of this. And that's what I think has Democrats scared to death. And I think that's why the New York Times story came out. The Lanny Davis, Bill Clinton School of Information is bad news. If you have bad news, get it out on your own terms first. So now when the inspector general finds June 1st, hey, they were spying on the Trumpet uh, campaign, Democrats can all say, well, this is yeah, we already, we already knew about this for some we told time. I don't see this. what the problem right. is. Even if there's new details, the concept is out there and they can say, well, it's old news. What's I think the that's point? exactly right. Thank you, Derek. I appreciate Thank it. Thank you for having me. All right. Derek Hunter, everyone. He hosts a podcast with The Daily Caller. You can also read his work at townhall.com. His book is Outrage, Inc. Thanks for watching, everyone. We will see you next time. A reminder to everyone, I'd really appreciate it if you'd please rate, review, and subscribe to the White House Brief podcast. It will make sure the truth rises above all the other stuff out there. So please rate, review, and subscribe. Thanks for listening.